Welcome everybody to the Moose Room. We have the Dream Team here today. So that is Emily and Dr. Bradley J. Hines. What's up, Brad? Oh, it has been a long time since I've been probably on the podcast. I know. Joe has really been carrying the podcast on his back lately. And, and so thank you to Joe for that. And thank you to all of you for, for listening. We're, we're kind of through the busy season now. State Fair is kind of in the rearview mirror. I think Brad and I are... All, both recovering from that a little bit still. <laughs> yes, just a little. It's It was a long five days, but uh, always well worth it to work with a lot of good 4-H programs, so. Yes, yeah, we had another fabulous 4-H dairy show this year, 420 youth exhibited. Um, Brad and I both worked pretty heavily with that show, so that was exciting. Um, in Minnesota, we crowned our new Princess K of the Milky Way. Congratulations to Emma Kubal of Rice County. Uh, very exciting indeed um, to see another Princess K from that area of the state as well. So, yeah, we it's been a lot of, of running around and moving and grooving here. But Brad and I are finally both in the office at the same time. So we are, are jumping on. We're giving Joe a little bit of a break here. And we're just getting right back into it. Um, Brad kind of came to me today with the topic idea because he said, hey, I've been getting a lot of questions about this. I think we're all aware we're in drought. There is a drought. It's in Minnesota. It's in a lot of other states. And of course, with droughts, that means we can run into potentially issues with having enough feed for cattle. And so Brad has been getting a lot of questions on fodder. And, you know, if I can't get hay or my pastures are in really rough shape and I can't have my cows on there, is fodder a viable option? So we're going to be going through that a little bit more today with local fodder expert Bradley <laughs> J. Hines, Ph.D. So we should be able to get all of our questions answered here. Brad, maybe to start uh, do you just want to talk briefly on kind of what some of these questions you've been getting lately really are, right? What What's at the heart of some of these questions and what are maybe some of the major concerns people are having? Well, I think, you know, I've been getting questions from in here in the Midwest, some in the Northeast a lot as well. And it's really been different in those parts of the country. And in, in the Midwest here, it's like, it's been a drought, our if you have grazing dairy cattle, our pastures are drying up or alfalfa uh, didn't produce the way it should have this year. So we're looking for, you know, having to buy really expensive alfalfa. What do we do? If you go to the Northeast, it's been a little bit different. It's been really rainy. And then they go, man, we can't get out in our alfalfa fields or we can't harvest enough hay or it's too wet or it didn't grow as well because it's been too wet. So they're looking at ways to get more feed there too. So it's been a kind of a wild ride across the U.S. with how to get enough feed for our cows. So I've been getting lots of questions. Um, also uh, going to do a webinar uh, in September in uh, about fodder production. So a lot of people are questioning whether we can make enough feed with fodder. and kind of the background of that is 
it's really sprouted grain. So fodder really means can we sprout grains to produce feed, grass, whatever you want, and, and feed our cows that way. And as Emily knows, I've done a research study long time ago. You know, this is it's nothing new with fodder. Fodder has been, you know, boy, I, I, I looked back today. I started fodder production in 2014, 2015. It's been a while since I've done it. And it was really kind of the hot topic back then because we were we had some drought years and people were trying to figure out how to get enough feed to feed cows, uh, you name it. So it, it kind of resurges every few years. And I just wanted to kind of discuss some of the things that we found and what, what we did and maybe talk a little bit about whether it's good or not for certain farms. And maybe if you're unfamiliar with what fodder is, I'll try to give a quick brief explanation and then Brad can tell me how bad I did at it. But, you know, like Brad said, it's sprouted grain. So basically, if you are growing fodder, you will have a room with what looks like, you know, a bunch of racks with trays on them. And then those trays have all of that seed in it, you know, or all the grain that you're going to be sprouting. And I believe, Bradley, you you sprouted barley when you did your study, right? When we fed cows, yes, we did barley. So they're in these big trays and then basically you're just soaking those trays with water until that grain starts to sprout. And then as it sprouts, what it does is, you know, those root systems are all tangled up together. So when you take the fodder out to feed it, kind of comes out in like a full sheet. Looks like a little sheet of sod almost in my mind. Um, But yeah, so when we're talking fodder, that's kind of the growing process for it. And I think it's important to keep that part of the process in mind as as we discuss this from, you know, some labor and financial standpoints as well. Brad, was that a pretty good explanation? You, you did a wonderful job in explaining oh, what fodder was. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we're being nice to Emily on the podcast today. Exactly, I like it. Exactly. I like it. All right. You know, let's maybe jump into it a little bit, Brad, and, and talk a little more ab- about your study what you were doing, what your system looked like, and what you were really looking for in your study when you did it. You know, when we started this, a lot of people were feeding barley as fodder. And that sort of led to the question of, well, why barley? Is there other grains? So we tested barley, oats, rye, triticale, and wheat in our system. We had a we had a FarmTech 2.0 system that that was uh, it's a company here in in Iowa and we used their fodder system. It was grown in trays that were about six feet long, and you seeded every day and you harvested feed every day, and it had a automatic watering system. We had it in one of our buildings where we could try to control the climate. That was always a tough one, whether it was too hot, too cold, too humid. Um, we used some grow lights on it as well to try and maximize fodder production. So there's a lot of factors that went in this. I did a lot of the stuff myself as well. I had uh, some undergraduate students that helped with this project in the summertime, but I was sort of right there because I was curious about what, what was going to happen. So what did we find on the greens? Well, barley probably did the best as far as growth uh, and the lowest mold. You know, mold is probably one of the biggest issues that farmers face 
in growing fodder is mold and that can destroy feed and, and make it unproductive. Some of the other ones, triticale, rye, probably had the most mold. So really it comes down to using clean seed uh, if you want to grow fodder. And that is the most important factor if you want to grow good fodder is use clean seed. If it's dirty or has other issues with it, you're going to get mold right away. That is the the number one factor. Uh, The barley uh, did well. You know, these things are about 16% protein uh, in the fodder, really highly digestible. So it it really is a, a good quality feed for for cattle. So you're you're diving into kind of the the nutrition a little bit on here. So yeah, and that was kind of my next question. So so protein numbers sound really good. So yeah, and it's not an apples to apples comparison, right? But if we're looking at fodder compared to, you know, the feedstuffs we're maybe trying to replace, be that alfalfa um, or something else, how how does that comparison look? I mean, is it pretty even just just from the nutrition standpoint? Uh, from a nutrition standpoint, yeah, it would be very similar to replacing maybe not really replacing alfalfa because the fodder has less protein. But sure. if you consider it from uh, other minerals and um, digestibility, the fodder uh, would be highly digestible and a, a good source of of lots of nutrition for cows. It's just a little bit lower on protein. Sure. So you would still need to be supplementing something else to to get the rest of that. That's right. You could never feed enough fodder solely to supply the nutrition for any any animal, whether it's a cow or sheep or goats. So we've established fodder from a nutrition standpoint, maybe a pretty good option. It seems like the, the nutrition is there, the value is there. But what about on the actual cow side right so so you fed cows fodder what what did you see there in how the cows did with with being fed fodder and maybe could you explain a little more of how much fodder were they given versus how much other feed stuffs what was your strategy with feeding this so our goal was to feed the cows fodder and you know look at production and some other economic cost of feeding fodder so when it really comes down to it you're feeding about a couple pounds of dry matter per cow per day. You know, we fed uh, 20 pounds of fodder as fed. So that's, and you know, 85% of this is water. So it is about a couple pounds of dry matter. So you might get a lot of feed, but on a dry matter basis, it's not very much feed that you're adding to the ration because it's water basically. So it's a, it's a really small sort of amount from a dry matter basis. Now we fed this in a TMR, so it was corn silage, uh, alfalfa, and hay, and we also fed some grain. So that really the fodder replaced, the idea was re- to replace grain in the ration to see how well uh, we could do it with less grain, because uh, grain can be very expensive as well. So we fed it for uh, a couple months on a study here at our research center. And well, what did we find? Well, we didn't find any difference in milk production. So, you know, the cows had the same production, whether they were fed no fodder in the ration or some fodder. 
really all of the production, there was maybe a little indication that protein, uh, milk protein was a little bit higher in a fodder-based cow than what you would see in a sort of the straight TMR cow. So maybe it produced, the cows produced a little more protein uh, pounds per day. Milk urea nitrogen, so MUNs, were higher in the fodder produced cows just because it's, you know, it's like feeding grass or pasture. And did uh, the cows like the fodder? I mean, it seems like a pretty palatable feedstuff. Oh, yes. They they ate it with no problem. You know, it, it worked out well. Uh, we didn't have any issues with palatability or whether the, the cows were going to eat it or not. So they, they did well. And in the cows, we, we did it in heifers too. And the heifers just uh, ate it no problem. So they, they like it. It's like eating fresh green grass. Every All the cows like that. Even I can admit fodder looks delicious, right? <laughs> it, and we, we don't eat that kind of food, but I'm like, fodder looks good. It's bright, it's green. It's got those beautiful sprouts on it. You know, we've kind of talked about a lot of the the good things. Seems like, you know, nutrition's good. Cows like it. Maybe doesn't give any sort of a boost, but also doesn't necessarily take away from production. The thing I'm really curious about, Bradley, there's a couple things, but the first one I want to dive into is labor. So on a system like this, you know, again, we talked about you, you're growing it in these racks, you got these racks filled with trays, you're adding water, Bradley used grow lights. So from a labor standpoint, compared to, you know, the other grain or whatever you would maybe be giving them instead, what did you learn there? What were the takeaways there? These systems take a lot of labor. You know, it's a lot of physical labor with harvesting uh, the fodder every day, reseeding it. You're checking on it to make sure the water system is right. You want to get maximum growth. So it just takes a little more labor to do all of that. Now, we didn't have an automated system. So, you know, back when we did fodder, there weren't very many automated systems or, you know, today and there's there's a few out there that are very automated and that's kind of one my conclusions with the whole study was is that it had to be automated with very little labor to make this work or nobody's gonna do it there was a lot of farms that were trying fodder back when i uh fed it as well and that was one of their biggest complaints was labor we just simply don't have the labor to do this or if we had labor we're spending seven to eight hours a day you know i was on a 300 cow dairy that had a fodder system and they had two guys that's all they did. Eight hours a day, they just did fodder only. So it can be expensive if you don't have a an automated system to produce this. So it, it really needs to be automated unless you're feeding it at a smaller level. And my system only fed 20 cows. So we were producing fodder for just 20 cows and it still took a lot of labor. So if you're going to feed more than 20 cows or or lots of livestock, you be prepared to have some labor challenges uh, to make this work. That was always my first concern, right? When I first learned about fodder, when I first went out as as a green educator and, and saw Bradley's system, I was like, this looks like a lot of work if it's not automated. So I think, you know, and, and the labor consideration is important there. And, you know, labor really ties into some of the other economics of it. So 
you know, Bradley, what what did you find really on on the economic side? I know you're not an economist by any means. Uh, you know, you can't do everything. That's right. I am so <laughs> not an economist. But what what did you find on on financials? Right. I think a huge chunk of that is labor. Right. Yeah. So if, if you're going to have increased labor. But if you just look at it from a kind of, you know, we tried to incorporate and make some income projections on a per cow per day basis. And really there's, you know, not a lot of difference between uh, income per cow per day on cows fed fodder or no fodder. However, when feed costs get really high, then maybe there is some benefits to feeding fodder if you're paying really uh, expensive prices for hay or grain. You know, if you, if you figure to produce fodder, it's going to cost you around 10 to 15 cents per pound of dry matter for, say, regular hay or alfalfa uh, in a TMR. Fodder is about 40 cents per, per pound of dry matter if you include the labor. So it can be pretty expensive to feed. My idea is that basically alfalfa hay had to be about $275 a ton for fodder to be worth it. So if you were paying less than $275 or $250 a ton alfalfa, it's probably better to just buy the alfalfa than it is the fodder. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble by some people saying, well, you... that <laughs> We'll get some emails. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. But based on what we did back then, that's what we found, is that... There is a break-even point. So if you're going to pay $300 or more for good alfalfa or grass, then it might be worth it to grow the fodder. But if you're if you're looking at whether you should spend $200 per ton for hay or grow fodder, I might suggest that you buy the hay. Because we didn't, you know, I didn't include the, there's some definite capital cost in getting these fodder systems. Sure, kind of some of the, you know, the startup right. costs. I'm, you know, there's an investment there. There is an investment. So you want to make sure that if you're going to do fodder, you are going to invest in this and you're going to keep going and not just right. do it and then give up three months later because that is a huge, it's a huge investment from, a, from that standpoint. So, you know, the jury's probably still out there. If you can get it automated and reduce the labor costs and, Maybe here in a drought or high rain, if we're looking at really expensive hay, maybe there is some reason to do it. But the labor was always an issue for me. I, I did some of this and harvested the grain and all myself, and it was it was a lot of work. Like so many things we talk about on this show, I think, you know, it's completely going to change from individual to individual, right? So we're we're never here to say this is what you have to do or this is what you shouldn't do. Because, yeah, sounds like on the conversation Brad and I have had today, right? Maybe this system is not going to work for everybody. I think it, you know, it's going to depend on a lot of things, what you're feeding now, how many cows you have, etc. But there are people where this system may work. Going through those those considerations and thinking about, again, goes back to management, right? How how do you want to be managing feed and what's going to work for you? And yes, if we're going to continue to be in drought and, 
you know, hay is going to be hard to come by and get more expensive. And we know transportation costs are expensive. Maybe it is a better option to grow your own fodder. It's always that that little caution we like to put uh, up when we have these conversations and that we're not saying this is right for everybody. We're not saying it's wrong for everybody. But I think as we look at what is happening with our changing weather patterns, what is happening with feed availability and feed costs, etc. It's another option to look at. That's that's the way I view it, right? It's it's another thing to look at, possibly another thing to try, you know, as we continue to navigate what is going to continue or change about the way we grow crops for our cows. And I, I still have our fodder system. I could fire it back up any minute. It's still up and ready to go. It's just uh, I need more labor to to be able to do it. But I do. I still have it. I still have it. If, if people are questioning whether I got rid of it or don't, nope. It is it is there, and we could use it tomorrow if we wanted to make it work. It's just uh, the labor. Yeah, maybe Joe and I just need to move out to Morris for a few months so we can uh, be your full time fodder people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we can do some stuff with it over the winter. Hmm. Any Anything else on, on fodder that we missed, Bradley? No, I think that's uh, pretty good. I think, you know, the big thing is make sure you have clean seed so you don't get mold. You know, make sure you have a lot of enough labor if you want it to work. And you probably should look at some economics to see and decide whether you should purchase alfalfa, hay, or grow fodder. So it, you know, I think the jury's still out there, but it certainly could be an option for some, some farms. And of course, if you have questions about this, Bradley is always available. And at the end, we'll give our email and and the usual drill in that. So you can get a hold of us as we kind of wrap up here. I just want to comment on why we're talking about this topic today, right? Feed cost is high. We know milk prices are a little low. Things are a little intense for dairy farmers right now. Those ebbs and flows happen. And at the Moose Room, we just want to remind everybody that it's okay to, to not be okay. This is a stressful time. You have to make a lot of decisions. And there are other things just happening right now, right? Kids are going back to school. There's a lot on everybody's plate. So just a reminder to all of you to, to take care of yourselves. Please listen back to any of our previous episodes about mental health and stress management for some tips. You're always welcome to reach out to me. Um, if you are wanting to find some further resources for yourself or for a loved one, if you are in Minnesota, you can check out mnfarmstress.com. And if you are in another state, you can check out your state's extension or Department of Agriculture website as well. Um, and if you want to kind of find that national list of, of all the resources by state, you can go to farmaid.org as well. So just a reminder that even with a lot happening, uh, please take care of yourself. Please be safe. We're about to get into busy harvest season. So you can bet we have some more safety episodes coming up for you. But please take care of yourselves. You know, think about what your options are. Reach out to people uh, for help if you have questions, whether that is about fodder or if the way you're feeling is normal. There's somebody to help with any question you have. Bradley, anything else for the good of the cause on this, on fodder, on anything? Have a safe harvest season this fall as we begin harvest with a lot of silages. 
Yes. Yeah. I know we've already had some some guys in central Minnesota um, starting to to harvest silage. So, yep. Be safe. Stay tuned for some future episodes on that. If you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals about today's episode, you can email those to the Moose Room at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can also call and leave us a voicemail by calling 612-624-3610. Again, that's 612-624-3610. You can find us online at extension.umn.edu. Find Bradley on Instagram at umnwcrocdairy. And find me and Joe on Twitter at UMN Newsroom and UMN Farm Safety. I think I got all the plugs right this time. I was a little out of practice. So we will wrap it there and we will talk to you guys all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.